We're at the stage of the season, guys, and the stage of the off-season, where even Ken Rosenthal is blasting the Marlins. Ken putting out a hit piece in the Athletic on the Marlins and their lack of activity. No free agent signed for the Marlins at all. Couple of minor trades, that is it. Peter Bendix declines to comment. What's going on in Miami? This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Yes, you are not hearing from Marlins Twitter madness champ. No, another semi-final crusher. The whole country. I had to take on the whole country. Venezuela. And that country took me down. Danny... Danny Alvarez taking me down on that one. However, Marlins Twitter has a new queen, a new queen this year. Claudia taking the plaudits. Some people will be listening to this and going, what the hell is going on here? So we'll carry on with the intro and we'll circle back to that one. Uh, firstly, thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen. Uh, this, of course, is your team every day. And there is a YouTube channel. So make sure you hit subscribe over there too. It is also called Locked On Marlins. Uh, this episode is also sponsored by our good friends at FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. That's $150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And I am delighted to welcome to the show on Monday, Sean not Sean Barrett, the UK goat. No, we're flexing it. We've got Sean Miller in the house. I want to say this is the third time appearance, but could be more, could be less. I'm not even certain. But nevertheless, Sean, how are we doing, brother? <sighs> doing great. Lulled to sleep by the Marlins a bit. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's $150 more than the Marlins who spent this offseason, that FanDuel. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 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 this offseason. But happy to be yeah. here. Dude. Yeah, for sure, mate. I mean... Um, like I mentioned on the intro there, when when the national media are writing hit pieces on the Marlins, like it's time for us to, to dig into that, I think. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's right. It's right that there's a hit piece happening. Um, and we're going to dig into that. We'll spend plenty of time talking about that. Equally, for those that are listening and don't have the graphics to help, in terms of what else we've got queued up here, I want to talk about Josh Hader. Not because the Marlins will sign him. He's already signed elsewhere. He's an Astro. Five year. Nearly 100 million. Josh Ada, big, big money. But the question I have is, how does that impact Tanner Scott? And uh, how does that impact the Marlins? (laughs) We'll talk about that. We also want to update everyone on International Free Agency. Uh, Last week's, one of last week's pods, we talked about what the Marlins had done in 2024 with that class. Equally, we need to update it on what they're going to do in 2025. So we'll talk about that as well. So tons to get into here uh, with Sean Millerick today on Locked on Marlins. Sean Ken Rosenthal has put out there an article effectively calling out the Marlins to say they're off a postseason berth. The core is here. They haven't signed any free agents. Peter Bendix declines to comment on this situation and this story, adding no 
comeuppance, comeback, whatever it might be. Your assessment on this situation for the Marlins at on Monday, the 22nd of Jan. It's incredibly frustrating for a, mm-hmm. you know, a number of reasons, mostly because of, I guess, how avoidable this story is. You know, the story that they haven't spent a single you know dollar on the field on an MLB free agent. Uh, they could have signed someone, signed one guy. You know, it's a 26-man roster. Yeah, they could have. This this is not a story if they had signed one reliever or backup mm. catcher. You know, yeah. uh, and obviously yeah. we'd love Cody Bellinger or some big signing. Mm. You know, but pay someone four million, three to four million dollars to make this roster a teensy bit better. And mm. this this wasn't the headline that it's been since October. The set mm. meters kept running. Teams have signed someone and. Every time it seems in Marlins history that there's been a moment to build on some kind of positive momentum, you know, yeah. they just they don't do it, and, and we don't need to you know relitigate every instance you know, on the show today. Uh, Marlins, our our audience is well familiar with the history, but it's kind of weird that Sherman has just kept you know during his tenure turning a blind eye to this. It's like he approaches it like his asset management business, that mm. that he thinks that Marlins fans are sound investors that are just going to trust his guidance because you know he's the expert and he's going to maneuver the capital. And Marlins fans are neither your typical investor nor your typical sports fan. If he wants to think of the Marlins as Marlins fans, as investors, he needs to mm. realize that they're investors who are beat up every day for their lunch money in school and grew up to be taken advantage of in multiple pyramid schemes before they decided <laughs> to invest their money <laughs> with Sherman. <laughs> there was a very that. untrusting bunch. And yeah. just so he needs to you know, show. And last season did kind of show it. It was that positive step again. Okay, mm. GM made some good moves. Manager of the year hire in place. The owner spent some money at the deadline to push them into the playoffs. And then... Just when you think, okay, maybe the tide's turning, you know, you're just back to square one. And then mm. we're back to the non-spending narrative. And it's just so all those ghosts of Marlins past are back again. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? There, There is this like cycle, specific cycle for the Marlins when there's any inkling of success. And clearly in, you know, much further in the history of the club, like the success was more sizable than just a wildcard series where they got absolutely spanked um but the cycle is get there you know you're then in that situation of let's build the momentum let's do something but it doesn't go that way you know after the 2020 year the covid year when they made the postseason 2021 ended up being absolutely turgid um i don't know i'm slightly nervous in some ways about the direction of of 2024 considering clearly no Sandy, which is a big impact. It's definitely a big impact. And I think that's like, as a general principle, is one of the reasons why, and I spoke about it last week, there's a sense of a rebuild brewing here. because, and, and, and you can call it what you want. People want to call it a retool. Like I said, I said rebuild because, you know, I think the higher paid vets that are running low on service time and that they don't have much left, um, controllable years, you know, the model says they should be moved. And so, man, Peter Bendix is out there, Sean. He's he's quoted saying basically that we're trying to be good on the field, but we're trying to build off the field. I'm not quite sure how you make that happen. To me, it feels a bit of a fallacy. I'm not sure how he makes that happen. But from your perspective, what is the Marlins' strategy? What is their philosophy at this point? Like, do you have 
a view on what they're trying to do in 24? I mean, in terms of what what they're doing off the field, like this, you know, plan they're putting into place under Bendix, like, I, I think, you know, just want to stress that, you know, all of that is positive, you know, in your lane is, you know, foundation, it's all things that needed mm-hmm. to be reworked. I and mean, the fact that they can't develop a hitter to save their lives for many years mm-hmm. now is, you know, is a big problem. It needs to be fixed. It's unsustainable the way things were going, but the, you just kind of, you have to do both in this market. You know, it just kind of goes back to that. You can't ignore mm-hmm. the, you know, the short term either. Um, if you look at the South Florida sports market where every team made the playoffs, you know, in 2023, early off of those regular seasons mm-hmm. and, um, Dolphins fans, they'll climb off the ledge over the next you know, month. And Marlins fans would kill to be in that position. Wait, so we've had multiple winning seasons in a row. We've made the playoffs two years in a row. Like it's, that's admittedly, you know, maybe a kind of a low bar, but mm. it, you'd be thrilled. You'd be over the moon. How would you feel if we're sitting here a year from now and you found out that the Marlins made the playoffs again and all their best players are under contract to come back in 2025? You'd be, I know. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be pumped again, right? <laughs> you'd, you'd be thrilled with you'd it. Be and just, they're not doing it. Um, so I, I think there needs to be a little of both. Um, they, mm-hmm. Everything they've done is great, but they've got to add on to They've got to try to build, even if it's best case scenarios across the board, you know, low risk, high reward signings. And there's still plenty of time to do that. Yeah, you know that that needs to be what what they do. If they continued not adding at all, not doing anything to possibly build on 2024, that's where, yeah, that's where I have no answer for you because that would just seem, <laughs> that would just seem like malpractice to me. That's the perfect word. Okay, so they're going to get something done. You know, there'll be a, a couple of signings, a kind of a couple of Yuli Guriels. I'm going to use that description where. You know, a guy's out there and his market kind of dries. The next thing is, oh, actually, you know, go on. The Marlins is a decent fit. So there'll be a few Yulies. And who's to say Yuli Guriel doesn't end up back on the Marlins? I don't know. Um, it's possible. <laughs> they do need, you know, some cover at first base, potentially, if they don't want to give, uh, you know, I'm on Troy, who seems to be like, I've never heard a prospect as highly touted as Troy Johnson, to be honest with you. <laughs> but they're going to sign a couple. They have to. So over under on the number of free agents, big league free agents that are actually signed, I'm going to set the over under at 2.5. 2. Okay. Um, if we, if, if we're counting Yulies, I guess I'll take the over. Like I think it'll, I think yeah. it'll be a Yuli and then two people who you expect to make the team out of camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'll... yep. you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to hit the, that is a close, yeah, that's not I'm... quite smashing the over, I would say. That is kind of leaning the <laughs> over on that, <laughs> no, which kind of sums it up, right? I guess that's that's the position they're in. And I think the main frustration for me, I keep coming back to this, is this Hoy Soler situation where, you know, we'll see what he ends up signing for. And I think, I think clearly, I think like Bruce Shim will be hoping that Soler ends up signing like a, a stupid deal, like a four-year... <laughs> I don't know, four-year, 80 million or something, and then go, hey, see, we were never <laughs> doing that. But if Slayer ends up signing like something that looks in the realm of what the Marlins could do, I think Sherman's going to have a big problem with that situation. But yeah, two more years, generally, that would be bad. <laughs> that's what I mean. You know, this is it. Like the optics could look really bad if Slayer ends up signing something that is, is, is achievable for the Marlins. And frankly, it should be achievable. 
And he was such a big piece of this team last year, like 2023. Him and Arias, that was all the offense was for like the first three months. And this whole qualifying offer not extending it to him was to me, I, I've no idea why they didn't do that. I'm, I just still can't understand it because you've got a draft pick just sitting there. You, you're going to return. Like, I've no idea. what Did they forget to do it? I don't know. So the, Peter Bendix is a switched on dude and it feels like the front office has been bolstered with tons of, of big thinking dudes. But my my challenge at this point is I'm struggling to understand the direction and considering where this roster is and it doesn't need a ton of work. I'm just kind of scratching my head working out why aren't we adding? Well, there's still time. But why is all the rumors about trading Lozado and Arias at this point, which there's kind of, you know, there's smoke where there's fire and whatever. So how are you going to feel? Tell me, Sean, how are you going to feel if the Marlins sign a couple of Guriels and then near near the time as well, they move Lozado or someone like that in a big blockbuster deal before opening day? How are you going to be feeling uh, at that situation? Ooh, the combination of that, that, that I'd be feeling pretty rough. And with mm. the... With this Solera money, I'm thinking that maybe it's a case where Sherman just said, I'm only authorizing, say, $15 million more million plus what you mm. free up from moving a Lizardo or Arias. Yeah, right. That's what's yeah. going to be added. So maybe Bendix is deciding to divide 15 by 3. You know, then, you know, so I can hit, so I can hit that over and get my you know, three free agents. So get, well, well, Cash three, it in, five baby. Five million dollar free agents as opposed to. But if, yeah, if it's a bunch of small deals like that and then they move one of their best players, that would... Mm. That'd be pretty devastating to me. And again, it'd be devastating to a mm. lot of his customer base. You yeah. mentioned with Sandy being out, I think they had an opportunity to run it kind of, if they just signed Solaire and, you know, had brought him back, you can kind of, the average fan knows that Sandy missing is a problem. So just kind of running back the offense with just getting yeah. a little more production out of catcher and short from whatever you do. Mm. But but you know this way it's you know you have the league worst offense um, and you take away the yeah. best home run hitter it's uh, you know that's as if you but, traded with the two best stars left on top of it that'd be yeah I, I would yeah say. that's a white flag situation to be honest at that point and so it's going to be really interesting I, and this is like it's a really fine balance because as a fan base I think we kind of get it. Like we look over to the Rays and we see the model works. But to get to that model, it effectively means we know what it means. It means like selling all of these dudes now and this is a process. And selling the process to the fan is a tough sell, particularly after a playoff run. I'm all for it if the Marlins are just mediocre for a couple of seasons and they go, this might be time for us to rethink and do something different. Mm -hmm. But after a playoff run, to then go, trust the process, um, whatever all the other slogans were from back in the day when Jeter rolled in. Basically, the method the strategy is exactly the one that Derek Jeter said when he rocked in. And he said, we want layers upon layers of talent up and down the minors. That's effectively what Peter Bendix is saying. And we saw what happened. And so... We're back to square one, strategically anyway. And this is the frustrating part is I really don't care how good the high A ball team is, to be honest with you. I want the big league club to be pushing. That's what I'm interested in. And I'm not interested in pipeline lists or prospects or none of that. Nor it's I. a fool's gold. Prospects 
to me, they are a fool's gold, in my opinion. They are overhyped, and we spend way too much time considering prospects, in my opinion. It's all about the big league roster. The rest of it is a nonsense. So, man, trying to sell to me, we're going to go through the process and restock the farm. Do me a favor and sell it, you know, sell it to someone else. Sell me another one, to be honest with you, mate. You can sense my frustration, but that's how that's the Marlins pulse at this point, though, right? I mean, it feels like the main pulse is frustration. You're in there, I'm in there. Um yep. but come watch the Marlins. We can't we can't blow the tra- all the trades again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're gonna get some right this time around. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And listen. You know, I'm being relatively extreme in the view here because there's some smart dudes and you know, we just don't know what's going to happen. But we're nervous. I'm nervous. And I think we're nervous. I'm, I'm particularly nervous because it, it links to the past too. We saw, we, saw, we saw what happened. You make these blockbuster deals, you get in this talent. Next thing is bust after bust after bust. I mean, it's ridiculous just how many busts came out of those all those pieces. It's absolutely shocking. I know the obviously the Ozuna one definitely played well, so... You know, it could be one of the, the best trades of all time, sprinkled in oh, maybe the word. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's hit the ad then, mate. And then I want to talk about Josh Hader and Tanner Scott because, um, you know, I think it's right that the the market is set in some ways for um, stud lefties. And let's talk about some international free agents too. You know, if we're thinking about 2026 or 2036 maybe, um, we'll talk about some free agents. But before we do that, Time to let you know about our good friends over at eBay Motors and the sexy graphics package on those boys. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And they have over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at prices you want, easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, guys, welcome back to Monday's edition of Locked On Marlins with myself, Peter Pratt, and Sean Miller. We are talking Ken Rosenthal articles and Marlins slander. I've gone off on a rant. Sean, it feels like is a touch more composed than me at this point, but we'll maybe try to find a way to get him riled at some point. I did want to talk about Josh Hader and what it means for the Marlins and Tanner Scott. Josh Hader signing a huge deal with the Houston Astros. Uh, I'm interested to see how that one ages, frankly. Uh, we saw a big extension in the reliever market last offseason. I think it was the offseason. Maybe it was before. But Edwin Diaz, and that one ended up poorly, uh, unfortunately poorly in some ways. So we'll see. But Tanner Scott, final year of his deal with the Marlins. Um I think it's fair to say, considering what we've already just discussed, that Tanner Scott is hugely, it's highly improbable he's extended, right? I mean, there's no, what's your percentage level here that Tanner Scott has any? Zero. We're at a zero. Zero, zero chance. <laughs> zero okay. chance. I mean, let's just start with Scott, though, in terms of the dollars, the, the, the money. Clearly, the track record of Tanner Scott is nowhere near quite the level of Josh Hader, but 
the production on the field last year was absolutely hater. Like we are talking like elite relief stuff from the left side. What does Tanner Scott's market look like beyond this season, do you think? I mean, clearly it will depend what he puts up because he's had a bit of a yo-yo career in some ways. He's at a high now. Um, you know, what could the market look like for Tanner Scott? He's arguing with the Marlins still in arbitration for an under-projected d- deal of a couple hundred grand difference. So, yeah, where's, where do you think this will land for Tanner um, after this season? Huh, you know, I mean, it's tough because, you know, like you said, I had a big part of Hater's deal is, you know, that track record, that, you know, consistent yeah. track record. He's only had, you know, two years where his ERA was over three and one of them was 2020 and one of them was the year he was traded. So kind of, you know, excuses baked in. He's had just yeah. as many seasons where his ERA was um, under three, uh, under two, sorry. Um, <laughs> so like, exactly. so, you know, Hater's Still. great. He's been great since 2017. Tanner, you know, a year ago, last season, we were, Fans would have rather seen Jacob Stallings come in in the ninth than um, than Tanner Scott, and oh, then man. he had and then he had the season that he did last year, and he's mm-hmm. you know the M- you could argue he's the MVP of the team, um, you know in terms yeah. of you know what he brought you know down the stretch. So it's interesting. I would think um, if he did the same thing, uh, maybe you know maybe four and sixty. Um, yeah. The it's big know, numbers uh, in it. But, you know, even half the, he was going to be out of, you know, we knew before the hater deal, he had priced himself probably out of the Marlins market if he was successful again. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll say, I'll say four and 60 is what he'll sign for yeah. with someone else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Marlins are, are absolutely not going in that direction. I mean, who knows? Um, be a bumper pay rise for him, too. Like, big deal for Tanner Scott. Um, that would be a little bit more money than. Than uh, the Avicel Garcia contract as well, just coincidentally uh, on that one. So there we go. Um, for Tanner Scott as well, I think this is a really interesting situation, um, to be honest. A really in- interesting season for him personally, like just an absolutely unbelievable year. Like, how does he follow that up? Are you expecting, like, if you were to guess and look forward now, crystal ball it, and are you expecting or projecting Tanner Scott to keep that level, regress? Or even progress. There is still room for growth. So, what do you what are you seeing in the future for Tanner Scott's um, production in twenty four? I mean, I, I guess if I was putting money on it, you know, I'd say regress a little bit, just since he was so good. Like, like so, regress mm. in a just that's you know, very few players you know sustain how you know how effective yeah. <laughs> you know, he was last season. I still think he'll be an above average you know reliever. I don't think to see mm. him. If he loses the closing job, I think he's hurt or has been traded, um, you know, you know mm-hmm. over the course of the season. Um, yeah. But yeah, so regression, but still, you know, above average, highly, highly yeah. effective. Where does Tanner Scott finish the year, in your opinion? What team? What team? Um, Yankees. Yankees. I think he'll finish with the Yankees. Oh, baby, <laughs> baby, baby. I'm just thinking that Tanner Scott. He looks real sexy with that. That stubble and you know whatever he's got going on so Tanner Scott will absolutely be praying that he is not on the Yankees I guess but I don't know we'll see I think uh, Tanner Scott ends up the year uh, on the west coast uh, and I think he ends up a dodger at the back end of okay. at some point anyway it's, it's just my gut feel um, to be honest with you I I feel like there's there's conversations brewing already with Tanner Scott um, you know over Tanner Scott sorry with the Marlins and Dodgers it actually wouldn't shock me if a deal's done like now and that's where okay like, when i think when i think about you know i think aram laden went down this path too 
when I think about if someone has to be sacrificed right now, if it's like we have to do something now for whatever reason, that's the the approach, and that that kind of doesn't make any you know, too much sense. But if you have to do something now, and it's Lazardo, Urias, Jazz, or Tanner Scott, clearly for me, like I'm I'm moving I'm moving Tanner Scott, but. What about you? If someone has to go, who would it be at this stage? If it is this off season, I think that's the ranking. Um, you know, Arias, you know, is I think I'm just ahead of Luzardo. I think for untouchableness there again. Mm. You know, pitching is the Marlins' strength, so Arias gets yeah, the edge. Is. Hitting is not, and Arias does his hit. Um, with uh, with Jazz and Scott, though, I mean, I'm kind of you know, Scott has shown elite MLB production. If he had another year of control left, I'd have I'd have Scott ahead easily. And that's, you know, that's just an interesting place to arrive at, you know, from, you know, again, like a year ago, you know, I think the perception is that Jazz would be the, the untouchable, that he's the next, you know, superstar, that that's the mm. move that would have broken the spirit of Marlins fans. But then during last year's run, you know, I think, uh, you know, at least to me, I have both, you know, Ive Lizardo and Arias ahead. But what about you? And mm. you have, what would, if, ja- if Jazz was traded tomorrow, would your reaction be, how could you trade Jazz? Or would it be more, thank God it wasn't Lizardo or Arias? <laughs> That's a great question. I have a lot of fondness towards Jazz, uh, which many listeners will will probably attest to. Definitely one of his biggest fans, I would say. So it would be painful in many ways. When If I sit back and consider with Jazz, you know, what have we actually seen on the field? Then... In some ways, it makes sense. And what I mean by that is Jazz has struggled to stay on the field. We can't we can't get away from that. And the question is, you know, how likely is that to continue beyond? And if you can sell the ceiling of Jazz and mitigate the risk of that, you know, missing 60 games, 80 games, 100 games, whatever it might be, and just you sell you sell a team on the ceiling then I can understand that approach. I absolutely can. With three three years of control with Jazz remaining, uh, maybe it's four. I don't know if he's super... T- I forget exactly. It's at least three. Let's just say three minimum three plus. Let's call it that. Um, so, I mean, Jazz has the potential to be an MVP level player, in my opinion, this season. Any season, frankly, with above average center field defense, I think. If he pieces it together, he has it. I think he frankly has a higher ceiling than all of those guys in a general game. Arias is already at his ceiling, to be honest with you. Um, I think Arias will only regress. So, you know, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had around Arias, but we saw the impact he had for the Marlins last year. And boy, oh boy, he was just, he's a difference maker. And listen, the Marlins did not fade and falter hugely when Jazz was missing. You know, big Jonathan Davis rolled in there and, you know, all they did was win when JD was in center field. Welcome back. So it's a really, (laughs) it's a really interesting topic, to be honest, mate. Like, I'm personally invested in Jazz, so I'm biased in that situation. I can see, I would feel the pain, particularly if it was like a load of prospects that, like, I don't even know who they are. You know, we'll see. The same time, I can understand why they would pull a pull that type of deal because the upside is immense with Jazz. The control is high, on the field on field production is is impressive, but the injury risk. You know, we look at the Twins and Byron Buxton now, and it feels like Byron Buxton is now like a kind of afterthought in Minnesota. Like, you know, how many years can you keep looking beyond the injuries before it's, it's like? Good cop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
I don't know, mate, to be honest. And I feel like this goes back to like where we started this conversation where I just don't know what the Marlins are going to do. And I'm nervous. I, there's a nervousness that's sitting here at the moment. And I, I, because I just don't know, but I'm, I'm not nervously optimistic. I'm just flat out nervous <laughs> at this point, <laughs> to be honest. So yeah, we'll see. I, I think with Tanner Scott, you know, it's going to be his, it, he, he will, I think, be traded at some point this year. It makes so much sense, unless clearly the Marlins are absolutely in the thick and they feel like they need him. Um, but I, I sense that a deal is going to be done. It, was, it wouldn't stun me if um, if Tanner Scott's moved this offseason, to be honest. And it, would again, wouldn't stun me if it was the Dodgers because the Dodgers, I think, are just like, they're all in at this, po- this moment and Tanner Scott's clearly a- acquirable at this stage. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We're running out of time. I wanted to briefly t- touch on the international free agent situation because the, Mar- the Marlins have already had a, you know, they, they've got a, an agreement in principle, let's call it, for a 2025 uh, international free agent. So they, they you know, splashed a bit of cash. Um, you know, it was an over million uh, signing bonus for one of the guys, the center field dude, but they've got another Salas uh, is going to be committed. Over 4 million, it looks like. So a huge chunk of their international free agent pool uh, towards Salas, all all fingers now at this point, Sean, point to him being a stud, an absolute stud. Um, you know, for me, this really caught my eye um, because the Marlins, again, have been burned when going down this pathway of really lumpy international free agent signers. So your reaction on this one? It's definitely exciting. I mean, I but then, yeah, I, I do flash back. I remember being really pumped when they dropped all that money on... <laughs> On Victor Victor. <laughs> and it's like, all right, things are changing. This is part of that new trust the process Jeter direction, right? And then, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. you know, here, here we are again. Um, it's, trust the process, big free agent, international free agent. Is it a mirror image? <laughs> yeah, the, the track record of them with the money they've dropped, you know, hasn't been, you know, great in terms no. of their return. No. But it, it, it's got to work at some point. And, and all the, you know, all the scouting, all the evidence, you know, suggests as well that, you know, this is a stud prospect. And it's nice mm-hmm. to see them being willing to continue to make big investments off the field. That's, that is part of it too. You know, that is, you know, yeah. important and part of putting out a good team. So uh, yeah. excited to see it. Hopefully he's uh, worthy of that stud mantle. <laughs> For sure. Uh, it's, it's a funny old situation, this international free agency, you know, signing and whatever. And you got these dudes that are like 16, 17, 18 and, Man, they're young. <laughs> they are young. So, you know, it's it, we're talking like, what are we talking here? God, we're talking like 2030 or something or, you know, we're in and around that range. So, man, this is long-term stuff. But, again, from a Marlins perspective, you know, it's about identifying talent, getting talent in the, into the organization. That's what it's about. And, you know, for this dude, if they think that the talent is there and is deserving of this, like, portion of the free agent pool, then great. Let's go. Let's go. So I'm I'm not against it, but as soon as you have these investments into these guys, the name will always be tracked very closely. The pressure will always be on extremely much more than any of the other like you know underground deals and whatever. So comes with pressure. The money comes with pressure. Pre- pressure is a privilege, as they say. So we'll see. Um, we've got two final questions. I'm going to ask and just to kind of signpost it for everyone. I'm going to ask every single guest that joins Locked On Marlins between now and opening day. The same two questions. Um, there may be more, but at least these two. And these two questions are, who is going to be the home run leader? Because I'm thinking about Soler and replacing Soler. Who's going to be the home run leader for the Marlins in 2024? Sean, your thoughts on that one first, then we'll we'll cover the second question. 
I'm going to go with Jake Berger. So, you know, I'd love mm. to tell you the big free agent they're going to sign next week mm-hmm. is the answer to the mm-hmm. question because Jake's already there. But I think he's clearly the home run leader, had a great season last year, really seemed to hit another level when he was traded mm. to Miami, hit another level all season as a power bat. And yeah, I think 30 home runs at these from, from Jake Berger. And that'll love be it. enough to clear it for the Marlins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really like that shout. I, I feel like that should be the odds on favor. Like that's a minus something on in terms of like, you know, fan duel or whatever. They've oh, got that as a chalk, chalk pick, but yeah, yeah, I'm for big sure. On, Good. Big on burgers. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was such a good addition for the Marlins, you know, after the deadline, like again, it's why it shouldn't be in some ways too down because you've got a full burger rather than the half burger and you've got a full bell rather than the half bell. And, you know, those guys had a great impact and, you know, they're going to be here and, you know, some of the guys that they've replaced aren't and they're upgrades and, you know, it's sometimes it's addition by subtraction and just like no Segura, no Wendell offensively, no stallings, like they're getting better. So I'm with you though. Jake Berger, what a player. So he impressed me so much when he came to the Marlins. I barely saw him when he was playing for the White Sox, obviously, but such an impressive guy. And it felt like what we saw on our screens was not what we were sold. It was a different Jake Berger. So Very yeah, that was encouraging as well. Really encouraging. Final one that we'll get out of here because we're a couple minutes over. But uh, this question is the <laughs> the most likely unlikely. It may be rephrased as we go on with the weeks, but bringing that to life, Last night when I was sitting there and thinking about this, the most unlikely stat that could be that could happen is Vidal Bruhan stealing a hundred or more bases for the Marlins in 2024. Bruhan plays everyday shortstop and is leading off from what we've seen in this winter league. Like he's got he's got some speed and I could see it happening. Hundred plus bags. That is the like most likely unlikely. <laughs> That I'm going with. And it is okay. considering what the Marlins did last year in terms of stolen bases. You know, I think he'd probably pace the team if he had 25, to be honest. But anyway, Sean, what have you got in your locker for this one? Uh, dig deep if you can. All right. So, do you want me to put a number on it too? Or the. No, I don't have to. You can take, you can take it as you, as you want it. Okay. I'll say Xavier Edwards leads the team in hits. The... Oh, baby. Baby. Yeah. Is there... if, I, if I got to make it an extreme, then he'll push for, you know, he'll push for that, you know, 200 total. Uh, he'll, he'll be up of a wow. near best um, for, in franchise history season. Wow. But, but easily pace the Marlins and hits is my most likely unlikely. Wow. Love that, by the way. I absolutely love that. Just to dig into that as like a follow-up wrinkle, it, is Arias on the roster the whole year, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah. Ar- Arise situation. Is, yeah, okay. Arise is great. He just can't play short. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I wish he could. I feel like I wonder what Arise would be like at short. I thought that last year. Like, no, I probably shouldn't think about that. He was, you know, the numbers say he wasn't pretty good at second base, but my eye said he was fine. But nevertheless, I love that one by the way, and I love Xavier Edwards. And again, that kind of blends into like the whole Arise. You know, when you start considering. Arias in the future with the Marlins and et cetera, et cetera. I kind of look around and go, Xavier Edwards is kind of like the similar dude, like clearly not quite as polished, but man, he's pretty similar. So again, you know, if you have to move Arias, if you have to, no, they don't have to do anything. 
hope they don't, but you know, if it does, yeah. then that only helps the pick. <laughs> it does for sure. All right, Sean, that's been awesome. I appreciate you so much for joining me on Lockdown Marlins. And guys, thanks, hey, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins. Yeah, for sure. It's been it's been overdue. Overdue, mate. But uh, it's been a good one. Uh, for sure. Ken Rosenthal has blasted the Marlins. Josh Hader signed a monster deal. What does that mean for Tanner Scott? He probably will get a monster deal. Not quite that big, but won't be with the Marlins. The Marlins have made a splash, a future splash in the international free agency uh, for 2025. So we'll look forward to that. And also... Sean throwing out there, Jake Berger will be the home run leader and Xavier Edwards, the hit leader, pushing almost franchise records with hits. Love to see it. Guys, thanks for joining us. I'll be back this week tomorrow. We'll see you then.